You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I heard a story this week. I actually read a story about a couple in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is on the eastern side of Canada um, where it is cold. And um, a couple that owned a, uh, a cabin on a lake. And uh, in the summertime, they would have to drive the long way around the lake. But in the wintertime, this is unfamiliar for us Texas folk, but in the wintertime, it will get so cold. How cold is it? The the lake freezes over. Uh, And so they would be able to drive on the lake. And so if you grew up in the north, you understand that ice fishing, things like that. But here it just doesn't compute for us. But they were, the lake was frozen over. It was wintertime. And so he and his wife are heading to the cabin and they can take the shortcut across the lake. They get to the lake and, and he had just kind of a check. He's like, I just don't know about this. And so he told his wife, I don't think we should drive the pickup across the lake. There's just, I don't know, I've got a feeling. And she said, well, okay, with us, let's go with that. And so they unloaded the four-wheeler that was in the back of the pickup and decided to set off across the lake to their cabin. As the story is being told, it's not one of those things where you heard a crack and had time to react. It was an instant crack and crash. The ATV breaks through the ice, sinks to the bottom of the lake, and this man and his wife find themselves in, in basically a, a circle um, of lake with ice around them. They start freaking out and panicking because their boots fill with water. The winter clothes they're wearing start filling up with water. It's probably 40 to 80 pounds of additional weight that they have on them, trying to stay above water, keep their head above, and reaching out and grabbing what they can. What they find is grabbing the ice, and it's so slick they can't get a hold of anything. And so for several minutes, they're fighting for their life. And then that moment of hopelessness set in. And they looked at each other. This man looked at his wife and she looks at her husband and they begin saying their goodbyes. And they realize this is where it ends for us. I wonder how many people live life like that. Not that we physically have fallen through the ice, but I wonder how many people live life where some crash happens in their life, something happens that defines their identity And they're treading water, just trying to keep their head up and stay alive. And that moment sets in of hopelessness. I wonder how many Christians live life that way. Because following Jesus doesn't immune us from from troubles or trials. I mean, we, we, we live in the world. We've got issues around us. And I wonder how many Christians live life trying to struggle to keep their head above water and to fight the icy water and, and, and then hit that point where like, I think I'm just gonna deal with this the rest of my life and I think this will be what envelops me at the end of my life. And the sad reality is that's not how we're called to live. We've been going through a series about our vision statements, and and one of our vision statements is to see people set free, to see people set in freedom. It's not just about receiving salvation and receiving uh, an eternal hope and forgiveness of some future event of heaven that we can go, well, when I die, I know everything will be perfect. I'll be in glory, and yes, it's going to be great, but we miss this reality that God has given us a life to live now. And too many of us settle for mediocrity and settle for bondage in our life and just try to make our existence in our icy grave until that moment of heaven arrives. And that's not the life that Jesus died for us to have. The passage we've been looking at is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
And one verse in that, verse 17, says this, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Why do we somehow think that the old passing away and the new coming is like a slate? That we're, My slate is sin, it's shame, it's brokenness, it's guilt. It's all of these things that have weighed me down. And when the, the icy water of life starts filling up around me, it just begins to weigh me down. And the new is just Jesus wiping the slate clean. And we think that's the mere existence of our salvation. And Jesus has come to give us life, abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus has given us a warning, also an encouragement. He says, the thief, we have an enemy that's after us. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. Abundant means this, it's, it's a total fullness of life. Not just, he didn't say, I've come that they may maintain some semblance of life and fight tooth and nail every breath that they take until I bring them to heaven. No, he says, I've come to give them an abundant life. We've got to recognize that there's some things that attack this life that, that Jesus paid for us to have. I mean, John 10, 10 tells us, it's honest, there's a thief, he's after us. Steal, kill, destroy. I started praying about that, asking the Holy Spirit, God, give me some insight, give me some wisdom into, into how that works. What are some tactics of this thief, of this enemy? And just immediately I started writing and God just began opening up some things. And, and one of the things that he begins to do is, is to steal, is to steal our hope. That he gets us to a place where he can lie to us and say, you're a hopeless case. You'll never change. The addictions that you wrestle with, the sin that wraps you up, you'll never get rid of that. You're hopeless. You might as well just give up. You might as well just let God do something for somebody else. You have no hope. The hope that you read about and the hope that you hear about at church, it's not for you, it's for somebody else. He begins to steal that and slowly take that away from us. When hope begins to fade is when we look at each other and go, this is where we say our goodbyes. He wants to kill faith. And faith is what we stand on. It's the substance of things we stand on. He wants to kill that faith by by telling us this lie. How can God be faithful? How can you say God's faithful when you've struggled with this all your life? And see, when I say this, whatever that icy water you're you're trying to stay afloat in, it might be an addiction, it might be shame, it might be guilt, it might be financial issues, it might be marriages, it might be marriage after marriage after marriage, it might be issues with your kids, whatever it is, he's trying to kill your faith that the God of hope and the God of faith will bring you through that situation. And then he begins to lie to us and say, you're gonna have to do this on your own. Just believe in yourself. I've known myself since I was born. And here's what I know about myself. I do not have the power to go from wretchedness to righteousness on my own. All I can do is claw at the edge of the ice, but I can never take a hold of anything. He wants to destroy our witness. Our witness. You and I are called to be witnesses to the world. 
and he'll begin to lie to us to say, nobody wants to hear what God's doing in your life. Nobody cares. Nobody cares to know what God's done in your life. You know why? Because they know the real you. How can you possibly show up at work on Monday and talk about what Jesus did in your life on Sunday when they know the real you? You got nothing to give for God. You might as well hang it up. You have a witness. It's your story about what the God of all creation has done in your life. He has not brought you perfection, but he's got progress. That's what we remembered and celebrated during communion. These are all lies from the enemy. These are his tactics to keep us from this full life, this abundant life, this free life that Jesus has given us. And Jesus teaches us about this life. If you got your Bible, go to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the cabinets in the back. If you don't own one, we want you to have that. That's our gift for you. You can follow along in in your Bible, a Bible we give you on the screen, on your smartphone, however you want to do it. I just want you to see and to be exposed to the Word of God. And in John, it's one of the Gospels Jesus is teaching. And in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31, Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews, and he says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, understand this, they believed who Jesus was. That's why I say it's amazing how many Christians live life like they think they believe, but they don't live like they believe. These people heard Jesus. In verse 30, it says that when Jesus was speaking, many people believed in him. So Jesus isn't talking to people who don't think he's not the Messiah. I mean, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. He is fully man, fully God. They believe this about him. They believe that he is the the sustainer of life, that he is our hope, our life, our resurrection, that in him everything hangs on. In him is everything for us. They believe him in this. But Jesus is speaking about freedom. He says, if you abide in me, abide in my word, you're truly my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What Jesus is saying is if you abide in my word, and I don't separate Jesus from the word, because in John 15, Jesus said, I am, you abide in me, and I abide in you. In John 1, we see that in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is the word that we find our life in, we find our hope in, that we find everything in. He says, if you abide in my word, be my disciple. What does that mean? Follow me. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and come after me. Jesus is saying, you abide in my word, follow me, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How do we know the truth? In John 16, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's coming, and he's going to lead you in all truth. And so he's teaching people who believe in Jesus how to live free. You abide in my word, be my disciple, Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this is how they answered. They answered him, we're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, let me give you some insight into the the, the irony of this statement. The nation of Israel, the Jews are looking at Jesus. These people are saying, how are you saying I'm gonna be free? I've never been enslaved. Do you not even remember your own history? They had been in captivity by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, and at current time they're having this conversation, they're under the captivity of the Roman Empire. Hello. 
But it's not just a political system that, that they're missing. Jesus calls them out on the real bondage. He says, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He's calling out the real issue. It's not what nation you're in, what nation is over you, who you're governing or ruling authority is. The real issue is the sin in our life. That's what keeps us bound up. And he says, that's what you become a slave to. And he says this, so, so the, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That means completely, free indeed means completely free, fully free. Jesus is opening their eyes and making a distinction here between a slave and a son. Jesus brings us into a relationship. We taught about this last week, that he sets us in the family, male, female, regardless, as of rights, privileges, and blessing and favor as the firstborn son. The song we sang earlier, because of his death and resurrection, he brings many sons into glory. Because he breaks the yoke of slavery in our life. He breaks the yoke of sin in our life. We do not have to live continually in that cycle. And we can live not as slaves but as sons. And he says, your, your freedom brings a new identity to the house. And he, he begins working and walking with, with these people who believe him. You believe I am. You believe I'm the bread of life. You believe I'm the life. You believe I'm resurrection. You believe all these things. But now you've got to follow me and walk in this freedom. And, 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 and there's several things that keep us from experiencing the fullness of this freedom. I mean, when you take, for example, just in this passage that you have, you have ignorance, and I don't say that to be demeaning to anybody, anyone, but the reality is how do they know the truth if no one tells them the truth? There are people, I mean, it says that they believe Jesus. Before the conversation, they didn't believe Jesus. Are we having conversations with people about truth? Not opinion, truth. I didn't know the truth until it was unpacked for me and explained to me. In our context, we have people that don't know what Jesus has really done for them. We've, we've created some religious system and this checklist to think that we've got to we have a lot of people show up to church and feel good about ourselves. That's not the sum total of our life in Christ. It's what he did on the cross that he gave his life. He took your sin, he took my sin, and he bore the weight and the wrath of God against that sin so that you and I could be free. So that we don't have to live life in the cycles of guilt and shame and bondage and going back to the same wells of bitter water that we continue to get thirsty every time, every time, every time. And then some, it's, they know the truth, but they're arrogant. Arrogance keeps us from this freedom. That's what you see. And we've never been enslaved. Why don't you open your eyes, Jack? But Jesus gets to the gut level. It's like, okay, you may think that, that no one rules your country, but you are ruled by sin. It's kind of like, you know, we'll go, how you know, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not good. None of us have the ability to say we're good. I, it's kind of like, I, I don't struggle with that. I don't struggle with that. Everyone, if you say you don't struggle with anything, you've just revealed what you struggle with. Called lying. <laughs> and arrogance will keep us. It's a humility that opens the door to that freedom in Christ. 
The third one is reluctance. It's kind of like, you know, like I, I believe you, Jesus. I trust you with most areas of my life. I'm not going to give you everything. I mean, some of you, we've had the conversations. You've had the, that discussion with God, right? Like, God, I give you everything, but leave my, let me run my kids. Most of us men, it's like, God, I trust you with my eternity. I trust you with that, but let me handle the finances. And it's amazing how many of us find ourselves in bondage financially because we won't turn it over to God. I mean, whatever the icy water is, you're swimming in. The other one, which I think is the last one, the fourth one, I think is a big problem in our context of kind of North America, is complacency. It means we're willing to accept a little bit of freedom. It's kind of like born into sin and born into this life, it's like being born into a six by six cell. And we're willing just to accept that the door stays open so we can go out in the yard for a minute. And Jesus is like, that's not what I paid for. I paid for you to have this wide open expanse of life. I paid, paid for you to have this life that walks in freedom, that I don't just open the door, I blow the door up. I don't just create a wall for you to get in the yard. I tear the walls down. It's what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He goes, how I long for you to live in the wide open expanse of life that Jesus has paid for you. And we're only willing to accept a little bit of this. I want it all. Too many times we, get, we look at following Jesus and think, well, it's all these things I can't do. I can't do, I can't do. I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Why don't we come to this revelation that following Jesus, he saves us not, not from this list, but to this. He sets us free from sin to something else. Too many of us try to follow Jesus, being his, being his disciple, looking back, glorifying the life we had. It's kind of like when we get in, in circles and Bible studies and, and groups and like we go, well, in my BC days we, before Christ, or, or we, we like to glorify how much of a sinner we were. And we look back and go, man, I was a sinner. Man, I was a man. Man, God freed me from that sin. I left it behind, and I'm walking into this wide open freedom. This life of Christ opens up. It doesn't narrow down. We just want to settle for just a little bit? Come on now. So what does it mean for us? I want you to understand some things about walking in this freedom, walking in this life. First thing is that freedom has a price. Freedom is never free. In any context, freedom is never free. I get to stand here and preach the word of God and the truth of scripture because for generations, men and women have stood in the gap and stood on the front lines to protect our freedoms. We're in a nation today that has equal rights because a man stood up and said, this isn't right. And I have a dream of freedom. And he gave his life for that cause. We can stand here today redeemed and made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ because he paid the price. In Galatians chapter three, I love this version. It's the, it's the passion translation. It says that yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely and became a curse in our place. 
For it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is doubly cursed. Jesus doubled down. He paid the price. What does that mean by the curse of the law? To explain that, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And in chapter 15, verse 56, he said, the sting of sin is death and the power of sin is the law. What does that mean? The law was given so that you and I can see that we are bound by sin, that we cannot follow the law on our own. We cannot break the shackles of sin. We cannot get free from the bondage of guilt and shame that keep us realizing we'll never live up. We're constantly short of the glory of God, but his payment of redemption on the cross is what lifts us over the bar of grace. And he paid this price for our freedom. Have you ever had anybody pay for your meal at a restaurant? I love doing that. I love watching their face when they realize somebody noticed me. Somebody wanted to bless me. Man, every time I come into the presence of God, I realize somebody noticed me and loves me and wanted to bless me. He paid for me. He paid my way. That's humbling. And freedom has a price. And freedom is a partnership. It's a partnership with Christ, with Jesus. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, if you abide in me in John 15, if you make your dwelling, abide is abode, means make your dwelling in me. Several years ago, Heather and I moved to a new house. And this house we lived in, it was the longest I've ever lived in any house in my life. It was just over eight years. And we moved. And one day after work, I was just exhausted. Had a rough day, stressful day, lots of crazy things going on. I jump in the truck. And I just, you ever have those days where you just head for home? I pull in the driveway and I hit the remote. The door won't open. Hit it again. What's going on? Uh. I'm like, I just want to go home. Is the garage door broken? And just as I open the truck door to get out to go try to go in the front door and figure out what's going on with the garage door, honey, I realize this is not my house anymore. (laughs) Oops. Sorry. Can you imagine if the door would have gone up? I would have walked. I could have been shot, you know. I had to be reminded I don't live there anymore. When I abide in Christ, he reminds me. You don't live there anymore. I moved you. The old is gone. The new has come. Your dwelling is not in the bondage of sin. It's as a son of righteousness. It's a partnership with Jesus. It's a partnership with other people. We need other people. And James 5.16 says this, that we are to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, I don't confess my sins to other people so I can receive forgiveness. That's 1 John 1, 9. I confess my sin to God for forgiveness. And God, who is faithful and just, forgives me. Why do I confess my sin to other people? Not for forgiveness, but for freedom. For freedom. It says for healing. What does healing mean? Wellness. Wholeness completeness. When you're sick and you come and ask us to pray for you, we're going to pray for you to be healed, to be well, to be whole from the bondage of that sickness. Why don't we apply that to every area of our life? Why don't we come to each other and go, hey, I got financial issues. 
can you pray for me to be healed? And you know what? Some of us are in financial issues because we've screwed it up. Let me confess that to somebody. Some of us have marital and relational issues because we got sin in it that we need to confess to somebody and see forgiveness is found in Christ. Freedom is found in the context of community. I tell my stuff to other people. I don't tell it to everybody. I tell it to men that can walk with me and see my blind spots. Men that can say, hey, hey, Matt, Matt, no, 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 no. You don't live there anymore. You're about to turn left, Jack, turn right. You don't live there anymore. And they help me walk into this healing and the wholeness and the wellness. It's a partnership with other people. I need those reminders. Freedom is a process. And we don't like the process. We are not a process people anymore. I mean, the, the process of freedom. Galatians 5.1, Paul wrote, he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we start thinking, well, what does Jesus want from me? I mean, if I give my life to Christ, yeah, I get the whole sin thing in heaven and all that. What happens now? What does Jesus want from me? Is he going to ask me to go to Africa? He's gonna, which we are going to Africa next month, and you're welcome to go with us. But what is Jesus going to ask me? And we think, he wants something from me. Listen to this. Let this truth change everything for you. For freedom, Jesus set you free. Why? For freedom. Why did Jesus set you free? So you can be free. For freedom. And then Paul says, stand firm and don't submit back to the yoke of slavery. Don't walk following Jesus looking back going, hey, that yoke wasn't so bad. It's an icy grave. It's where you have fallen through the ice and hopelessness and despair lies in that icy, murky, watery grave. We don't like process. We're an instant culture. We want instant Jesus, right? Do it now, Jesus. We love the thing where Jesus touched his eyes and instantly his eyes were healed. Man was born lame and sat on a mat all his life and Jesus would get up and walk. Instantly he gets up and walk. We love that instant. We skip over the passage where Jesus says, hey, go wash yourself in the pool. Go through this process. I gave up. You like burritos? I, like, I love burritos. <laughs> I gave up on microwave burritos a long time ago. You know why? Some of y'all know why. You put it in, you follow the directions, you put it in, it comes out, it looks delicious. And you take a bite, and what do you find? Icy, cold, nastiness in the middle. Uh huh. You can't microwave freedom. <laughs> you may walk around here looking all nice and clean and good on the outside, and inside you're an icy mess. You're an icy mess. Freedom is a process. Stick with it. Standing firm is persevering. Persevering means the ability to stick with it. Just because it's not a 30-day trial of Jesus. Stick with it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't start looking at other people and saying your goodbyes and realizing this hole that we've fallen through in this lake is where we die. Let me finish that story. Just as they're saying their goodbyes, He's reminded of something on his belt. He reaches to his belt, and there's a leather sheath, and he opens that sheath, and he realized that he'd been given this multi-tool, this Leatherman multi-tool. And he opens up the blade, and he reaches up, and he stabs it in the ice. And it stabs in, and he gets enough of an anchor that he can pull himself out with what little strength he has left. 
and he turns around still holding this and pulls his wife out. They take off the clothes that are, that are so wet and so cold and leading them into hyperthermia and they, they walk, almost crawl the next 200 yards to their cabin where they can find warmth and shelter. Why do I bring this story up? Because you need to realize something. You have every tool available to you right now to walk in your freedom. You have everything you need. You just need to be reminded that the God of all creation loves you so much that he gave his life on a cross for you, that he bore your shame, he bore your sin, he took your guilt, he took your shackles, he took your unrighteousness, and he changed it, he transformed it. The old is gone, the new has come. Your righteousness is here right now. Your freedom is here right now. Your hope is in here right now. The spirit of God is in this place. Scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's in this place. Your freedom is here. It's time for you to make the declaration. It's time for you to make the decision where you just open it up and you say, here's my faith, God. I'm staking it in the ground. And on December or January 19th, 2019 is the day that you got me out of my icy grave and I'm gonna walk the rest of this life for your glory. And I'm going to struggle, I'm going to fight, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stay in this process. I'm going to walk with you, Jesus. I'm going to understand the price every day that you paid for me. And I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to get around other people and I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to walk it out. And even if I fight this sin to the dying breath of my life, I will fight it. I will never give in. I will never give up. And that's your declaration that you've got to make. If you abide in my word and be my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Father, we thank you for truth. We thank you for the freedom that comes from it, from the hope that comes from it. Jesus, we ask you, remind us, Holy Spirit, you're here. Free us. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and so we accept it. We ask you right now, Jesus, Forgive us and free us. We commit to walk with you and to walk with our family into the life that you paid for, the life that here, right now, January 20th, 2019, is the day that we were reminded that you have given us everything we need to climb out of this pit and to live life and life abundantly. We receive your freedom today. We love you and we praise you. We pray all this for the glory of your great name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com. At